You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Sweet Tarts dared to combine sweet and tart, but we didn't stop there. We combined soft and bouncy to bring you new Sweet Tarts gummies, fruity splits, a uniquely delicious dual-sided gummy with one side that's sweet and one side that's tart, but entirely smooth and squishy. Mmm, a powerfully perfect combo. Sweet Tarts, dare to combine. This episode is brought to you by CarMax. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because CarMax believes you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car they sell has CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Start shopping now at CarMax.com. Adventure has its own style. It's made of tall trees, unpaved trails, and at the center, the most capable Subaru Forester yet, the 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. It comes with 9.2 inches of ground clearance paired with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and advanced dual-function X mode. Discover adventure on a deeper level. The 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. To explore all you can do with the rugged Subaru Wilderness family of vehicles, visit Subaru.com wilderness. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This podcast aims to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters, brushing up on essential skills, or maybe just adding a few new tactics to the toolkit. Here we cover a variety of topics that are going to help you be more confident and successful in the field while you're hunting deer. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this week. For today's show, I had a chance to catch up with my buddy, Aaron Hepler. Now, if you aren't familiar with Aaron, you can find his writing on the Exodus Outdoor Gear website or on the Truth From The Stand website. He's a hardcore public land hunter in the big woods of PA, so I love getting his take this time of year, not only talking about you know hunting those early season deer, but doing things like in-season scouting, how his trail camera strategy helps him get on deer, how he's adjusting to hunting pressure, So we're getting into all of those topics today, as well as covering a bit about his hunting strategy for the rest of the season. Hope you enjoy. Get ready to share your hunt this season with the Tacticam 6.0 point of view camera. Featuring a built-in one inch LCD touchscreen, one touch operation, weatherproof housing, and mounts to fit any style of hunting, the Tacticam 6.0 is sure to simplify the self-filming process for you and make sure you have high quality footage to share with family and friends. The 6.0 features up to 8x zoom, new image stabilization technology that takes the shock out of the shot and lets you capture crystal clear 4K 60 frame per second footage. Now through September 21st, you can get a 6.0 camera, a stabilizer mount, a clamp mount, and a bottle of scrape fix for just $355.99. To learn more or pick up your 6.0 today, head over to Tacticam.com. If you want to create more memories and fill your freezer while you're doing it, The Onyx Hunt app is a must-have tool in your arsenal. With major new aerial imagery updates with historic look back, high-frequency imagery, and even the ability to order your own custom imagery, the Onyx Hunt app has solidified itself as the leader among mapping systems. Now, this is all on top of the public and private land ownership info, the ability to use this app with no service, and the unmatched reliability that you have come to expect out of the Onyx Hunt app. You can try the Onyx Hunt app for free for seven days. Just go find them on the app store of your choice, or you can go to onyxmaps.com to learn more. The archery opener is right around the corner, and you can hunt in comfort this season with camo from Huntworth. They make high-quality technical camo at a fraction of the price of other brands. 
My personal favorites for the early season include the Durham lightweight pants, which are rugged and durable, but also lightweight and breathable with just the right amount of stretch where it counts. And the Gadsden quarter zip hoodie, which is made to be breathable and moisture wicking. To make building out your kit simpler, the Huntworth website now features their new system builder. This tool will help you grab the right camo no matter what season or species you're hunting. To check out their full camo line, head over to HuntworthGear.com. Now let's get into this week's show. All right, join me for this week's episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast. I've got my buddy, Mr. Aaron Hepler on the line. Aaron, how you doing? Good, man. It's good to be back. Yeah, good to have you back on the show. I was just telling you a second ago, it it just feels right to have you on the show in October. Uh, I think we've we've typically talked like right before season starts, uh, mm-hmm. and we've talked early in the season, you know, about some in-season scouting kind of stuff, and so... Uh, as soon as the days down here started to cool off, it was like I had Aaron Hepler on my mind. Uh, so I don't, I don't know what that means, but um, anyway, so that's when I texted you. I was like, "Dude, we got to get you back on the show," and you were like, "Absolutely!" And uh, man, so here we are. What, uh, what's going on in your neck of the woods right now? Uh, nothing much, man. I, we were just talking off air about um, about the acorn drop, and it's it's pretty intense right now. Our season opened. Uh, officially september 17th there's like some special regs area um i actually live um very close to those areas but i can never get in the mood to to go out and hunt and nine it was 90 degrees for most of that first week into the right. second week so i was i was bass fishing still yeah yeah for <laughs> but sure but our our uh, statewide season opened on saturday so got out um got out on saturday and we, we could probably dive into the weeds a little bit on that but so far so good so you got out saturday how was that it was good. Um, you know, one, one thing we wanted to touch on is, uh, a little bit about hunting pressure. And, um, I have been breaking down an area with a, a handful of buddies for it's five years now, maybe four years, five years. And, um, you know, we always kind of rotate areas, but this area seemed to get a little less hunting pressure than anywhere else and it was kind of like very typical stuff like you know um around uh in and around clear cuts not necessarily in the cut sometimes sometimes actually deep in the cut and sometimes you know um fairly off the edge because the the edge seems to be what gets you know kind of the most pressure but i actually um made my long journey into the it's it's far it's you know altogether biking, hiking, whatever you want to call it, you're, you're in about four miles total. Oh, wow. Okay. And, um, I ran into three people and it was, I was mildly irritated and I I told you this and I said I would save it so we could talk (laughs) about it. And if, if you're listening to this, I I wouldn't extend apology because I was mildly rude. Um, but you let me climb half the tree. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Oh no. I had like, um, we have a good, uh, a solid 10 pointer. He's, I I'm sure he's close to Pope, if not maybe a little over, um, he, he's, he's perfect. He's perfect, perfectly symmetrical. And his, his main beams almost touching the front. You know, I think I sent you videos of him like losing his velvet and stuff. Right. Um, we got pictures of him on four different cameras over, over half a mile or more. Okay. Uh, so he's very regular, but in particular, we got, um, we had him on a camera pretty far below out, pretty far outside of clear cut in the dark and in the cut during the daylight. Now this was in August, so it probably doesn't really matter now. Um, but we had him on, 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 on the same day. So half an hour apart, he was pretty, he was cruising pretty good. So I had wanted to get inside like, somewhere in between that or in the cut. Cause I kind of had an idea that maybe he's bedded in the cut. Um, I, I think he probably won't now. Cause this is like a typical thing they do is they bed in the cut. Uh, you know, but once they start getting hunting pressure, they change completely and they don't, they don't really go near that cut at all. So I snuck into the cut. My, well, my buddy and I separated, we were hunting together on the first day we separated I kind of snuck into the edge of the cut, but I broke out a little sooner than I wanted to. So I was working my way down the edge of the cut into the main point of it that I wanted to be sitting. And, um, 
<clears throat> I found a tree with some cover and I heard people talking, but this is near a recreational trail, right? Uh, and I'm probably describing this too much, but now I don't really care. So, <laughs> uh, uh, I heard people talking and I had seen a lot of, um, hikers taking this road, this opening day, you know, it's a, kind of a weekend spot, whatever. So I figured, oh, there's just, you know, some hikers moving on that service road or whatever that's close by and it's whatever. So I took my backpack off, put my saddle on, you know, hung the, stand, hung the platform on my back, took all my sticks off, arranged them, put my bow rope on, put the first stick on, climbed up the first stick, put the second stick on. And I started climbing up the second stick and this guy's like, oh, no, oh, hey. I'm like, oh my goodness, you've got to be kidding me. I like look over and there's two dudes. I think they were in a ladder stand. I don't know. I didn't look straight at the, I don't even know what they looked like. I was just kind of irritated. So I see this guy and he, my head is just above leaves that he can see me climbing this tree. Uh, and I'm like, are you freaking kidding me right now? How far are we talking? They were f like 50 yards away. Okay. So we're close. Yeah, they were close. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me right now. And I just kind of like, you know, waved at him and I climbed, took the sticks down quick, put them in my pack. Now I'm like, well, now I, I know I got to move. So like, I'm, I don't really want to ruin these guys hunt. Like they got here before me or whatever. And, um, so I like quick took my pack down, got everything. And I started walking back towards the service road, which was past like I basically had to walk right past them and I kind of was like angling towards it. And he's all, as I'm walking out, he's like, Hey, 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 I'm like, could you just shut up? Like, like I'm just thinking in my head, dude, just shut up. And he's like, Hey, just so you know, there's another guy down that way. And I'm like, okay, well I'm not going that way. I'm going back out to the road. Thanks. And he was like, well, I'm just letting you know. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> I was so mad, dude. I was like, <laughs> and it, oh, it, I wasn't man. mad because they were there. Like, it's public land. Like, they have every right to be there. Right. I shouldn't have been rude. I was just like, man, why do you let me climb the freaking tree? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Give me a whistle now, beforehand uh, or something. Yeah, because I was like, you know, taking my time, being quiet, trying to find the right tree. I don't know if they saw me before that or, and I didn't hear them say anything or what, like, you know, maybe, maybe they were trying to get my attention. I don't know. But, um, uh, I was just kind of like, man, now I'm like an hour into this and I want to, well, you know, with the hike, I think, I think it was around. So we started, we started heading in at 1230. And I think it was two thirty when that guy whistled at me to get down. So wow. I was like, "Oh no!" Like, and I know it's still really early, but <clears throat> you know, we wanted to be in there and let things settle down or whatever. It's first day, and you take your time because it's so far, and you know you're going to sweat a lot and all that kind of stuff. So I I did go into a plan B, and it it was fine. Like, uh, it was a fun hunt. It was nice to be in the tree. Um, the, like I said, the, the recreation was very busy and the area I ended up going to is not really anything stellar. It was just a nice plan B idea. And, um, some hikers kicked out two does that were feeding around me for a little bit. And then, um, you know, typical evening movement, some, um, a little doe family group and a little spike, um, came, came through the area I was sitting and, um, I, I probably would have pushed in, but the spot that to push in a little further is better in late October. So I stayed up to where all these trails converged and there's some white Oaks and, and, and honestly, there was all these little sassafras shoots The deer love those short little, little baby sassafras. They, they eat them up like crazy. Right. Right. Um, so there was a lot of that around and I could see that they were browsing on it. So I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to sit here. Um, it would have, it's pretty close to an area where like, yeah, I could have probably seen that bigger buck. Um, 
but I did. I saw then. So these, I think it was three, three does and a spike and they were eating, like licking the base of my tree. Oh my like, gosh. I could send you a video, but that, I don't know how old that doe was. I don't know how to age doe on the hoof, you know, without like, you know, I know you can't age deer by antlers or whatever, but you get a bit like an idea that a 10 pointer is not a, a year old deer on this public land, you know, right. like this doe, like her legs, like I couldn't fit my hand around, you know, <laughs> around the bases of them. So she was old, she was old and she was a little like on edge, but she was one eating like literally at the base. I could have spit on her just straight down. Like she was eating sassafras at the base of my tree with a little fawn with spots still. So that was cool. You know, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, man. So we, we typically think about adjusting the hunting pressure as kind of like a, like a game planning decision. So we're like, yeah. we're doing that in the postseason. Like we're, we're looking where the hunter sign was last year and we're adjusting or yep. uh, we're driving the roads and we're seeing what parking lots are full. So we're adjusting or, yep. you know, that kind of thing. You don't often think about being the guy that walks underneath somebody's tree stand. Like you, you, you think about other people doing that to you all the time. I know I do. Yeah. I, mean, I, I run into mm-hmm. that, but like, you don't think about when you're the one that's got a, that's in that situation now you're flustered. Now you got to make a good call. You got to figure something else out. And with a spot like you're talking about, your mobility is limited. Like it's not just, oh, let me go hop back in the truck and right. drive down the road to the next access point. It's, right. I mean, that's a significant commitment to get four miles back into somewhere. I don't care what you have. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a chunk of a way to go. So let, let's, let's dive into that piece a little bit. <laughs> I remember last year I walked, I, I was walking out and I walked right underneath some, well, I, I was walking up to a guy and almost underneath him. He waved me off. I'm like, okay, cool. My options were to either walk directly underneath him and just totally blow out the trail that, that he's trying to hunt on or turn left or right and go through the thickest, gnarliest, noisiest uh, stuff around. And that's the one that I opted for. It sucked <laughs> to go through, and I'm sure it ruined his hunt more than me just walking through there would have now looking back. But um, but it was one of those tough things, man. Like, I remember just being frazzled by it and just kind of getting, you know, being pretty stressed. So uh, what's going through your head? You you walk underneath somebody. You you find pressure where you didn't expect it. How are you adjusting? Well, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, from, from an etiquette standpoint, you know, you're talking about picking a different way. Like once you're in their spot, I don't like, well, Hey, you don't really think you're like, Oh, all I got to do is get to this other spot. You know, like you're not really like, and honestly, like where these guys were hunting, there were trails everywhere. I don't know which one they're hunting. I just knew that the most direct access was to basically, I didn't go right under them or anything, but like go right past them because you're going back to the access on the most direct route that you can. Right. You're just trying to get out of there. Yeah. And then, um, uh, so that, that's, you know, from an etiquette standpoint, but yeah, like, like I said, I was like, you're like an hour into this. I think when you're hunting a spot, you should just really, I mean, we live in a world where there aren't really any secrets, you know, like, uh, and maybe you have to just, I mean, you really just have to know the woods that you're hunting and know what other spots you can go to. Cause this, like I said, this is an area I've never seen another human back there other than people that like to hike. Hmm. Um, maybe some mushroom hunters here and there, stuff like that. But uh, I've never seen another person back there. So um there's a few things that make this place easier is that like uh handicap could get access to it and maybe they could drive people back or something like that and but anyway um i think the thing that you got to know is is like hey uh this is the time for the in-season scouting stuff like okay i know i have these three areas where i could get easily somewhere between 300 and 500 yards away from that other person, give them uh, their ample room, you know, try to use your, your best etiquette. Cause we're, like I said, we're all, we're all buddies. 
right? right. We're all friends in the woods. Like, like I said, I felt bad for being rude. I shouldn't have been rude. I was frustrated with stuff or whatever. But it's, I've got to say, you well, were a lot less rude than I thought you were going to tell me about. Like, <laughs> I mean, what what you gave him was I'm I'm just kind of like, oh, that, okay, all right. I, yeah, I, I mean, to me, like I, I didn't like, know where we we're going. Like, that was pretty rude. That okay. was pretty rude. Right. That shouldn't have been. You know, I I because I probably sounded a lot. I can't make myself sound mad. I was pretty mad, and right. I think he could tell. Yeah, but but again we're all buddies in the woods so you have to use etiquette and then you have to just like be like hey where can i go that i'm getting away from this guy a so i don't ruin his hunt and b so he doesn't ruin mine i don't know if that guy's a good hunter or not maybe he is maybe he's not he's all the way back there so he he likes to put work in right you know so there's that part of it and then um you know uh if he's hunting in a spot that I know about, he probably knows about the deer that I know about. So we're all probably hunting the same, you know, big buck or whatever. There's, there's, there's not as many this year, but there's a couple good ones. Um, and like I said to one in particular, but, uh, I think the thing that you got to know is, is when you're going to those other spots, if they were your plan B, you got to pick up on subtle cues. Like, like I said, um, uh, the deer were browsing a lot on sassafras. Like actually the, the spot that I ended up sitting in when I climbed up, I was like, you know, that was dumb. There's not one acorn tree around here and the whole place is raining acorns mm. and there's not one in here, but, uh, there were, but they was a lot of like the trails were being used and there was a lot of uh, sassafras shoots that were being chewed on. So, and I, I didn't see a big buck, but like I, I saw six does that were eating in the area that I was sitting in. And, um, right. I, you know, you can't really say that's a bad thing. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. So let, let's talk about that. Then you mentioned that there maybe aren't as many deer in there as there have been in previous years. I'm guessing a lot of that is going to be trail cam data. Um, what do you, what do you think is, is contributing to that? Do you think that maybe there's just been more off season pressure? I mean, if these guys are back in there on opening day, they've been there before, uh, probably in there beating it up during the summer. So, you know, what do you think has led to a, a drop in, in, in the deer? Do you think that you're on deer just like you have been in the past and they're just more spread out? Do you think that maybe you're just not quite on the X? What do you think is going on? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, I think a lot of times when you have a camera that lights up all the time and it's year after year and then one year it doesn't, it's probably because somebody's in there yeah. like, or, or something like maybe a group of coyotes moved in the area. I know one area we hunted, there was some bobcats and they seemed to like move out when the bobcats were in there, like that kind of thing. Mm. But, um, I think a lot of times it ends up being hunting pressure and you find it out later. Like either the guy walks in front of your camera or, um, or, uh, you know, um, you end up finding his camera close by later on. And I, I think that tends to be one of the things, but this year is, is different because we've had a lot of acorns, in the past, like, uh, I think maybe three years ago we had a decent acorn crop and most of it was like chestnut oaks. So it was not, but this year I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what kind of oak tree you walk under. There is acorns absolutely everywhere. Mm. It's like walking on marbles. Like you just, it, they're just everywhere. So I don't think bucks really have to move very far. Um, and they haven't cause they started dropping in August. Um, there's a lot of, uh, greenery, you know, like the, the well, you got to think the clear cut is one year older. So there's a lot thicker and there's plenty of stuff growing in the edges. They're just not, they don't really have to move. So I think they are spread out. And the other thing that's, that's messing me up that I've been talking to one of my honeys about honey, uh, hunting buddies about is that like, man, it, there are a lot of bucks that look really similar this year and you have to like, mm really stare at them to figure it out. Cause there was a, there's a really nice nine pointer that looks almost identical to the 10 pointer, but he's got a really, so when you see him like from a side profile, you're like, Oh, it's that 10 pointer. 
but then you realize like, oh, that G4 on that side is a lot longer. And then he doesn't have, then you realize, oh, he doesn't have a four on the other side. So, you know, oh, but there's a lot of that. So interesting. Yeah. So there's a lot of like very similar frames, um, like very close genetics. You know, I think they kind of stick to the same areas. And um, I think we have maybe two of the same bucks that we had on last year that are that you, you know, yeah, that, that could be it, but they're just, most of them are typical frames. So it's just hard to, uh, you know, hard to tell. Right. What about overall deer numbers? Like, are you seeing same number of does or is it, you know, even same number there of bucks, is, just not as mature. Right. There are way more does. Ah, okay. Probably, probably a little bit smaller than normal. Um, Interesting. but there, there seem to be way more does and, I wouldn't say way less bucks, but there are a lot more smaller bucks than bigger. Like last year, we barely had any bucks that were like one-year-old, like forkies, spike. We barely had any of that. Okay. This year, there's there's a lot more of those and a lot less um, mature bucks. Interesting. Or, I mean, mature, I'm talking like, you know, three and older. There's a couple of two-year-olds. Um but it's, it's, it's a different world this year. And I don't know, there's been a lot of, uh, the game commission here is doing a lot of work in, in this area, uh, recently. So there, they did a lot of burns this year. Um, and, uh, I don't know, they're just going crazy on the cutting this year. So there are two brand new cuts that are, um, one might I, I didn't actually go in and look at it, but I'm going to guess that it's 300 acres and the other one's probably 500 total. Oh, wow. Um, now they're not necessarily, they're spread out from this, but it's not, they're in walking distance. Like they're not really that far um, as the crow flies or my wife hates when I say that, but as the crow flies, they're not that far. <laughs> <sighs> you ever take your wife on a scouting mission and say, well, as the crow flies, I've, I've done that a few times. I don't take her out anymore. That's a good idea. <laughs> no, no, we, we discovered very early on she will go sit in a stand with me and enjoy it. Um, scouting, she hates because I'll, I'll get to a spot and I will just stand there for 20 minutes. Yeah, 25 my minutes. Wife, my wife is very – she's a very athletic person. She, you know, she, she played some serious sports. Um, but she uh, – when we're like on a hike, she wants to keep moving. And right. if I stop to like look at buck rubs and stuff, she's like, okay, now I got to like work my heart rate back up, you know? So I can take her on a nice, like woodsy hike. And she right. loves that. But right. The scouting, she's like, you go ahead. You enjoy, you enjoy your time there. You know? Yeah. Oh dude, we're in the same boat. I used to take my wife, uh, hanging stands with me. Cause we, yeah, I, I was, that too. I was the dummy. I would lug in, dude. I would literally lug in, public land in Alabama, a double man ladder stand. I'd make two trips, one trip with the thing on my back, the next trip with all the ladders. And I would take her in and, you know, trying to find a spot to set it up. But I mean, it's not like doing a hanging hunt, man. Like you, this is stationary. Like it ain't moving for the year, you know? So I'm like, you know, sitting there trying to figure out the wind, trying to figure out what the thermals are going to do, trying to figure out what's the best direction. Okay. Wait, is the sun going to be in my face? If I'm looking that way, you know, doing all the calculations. And she's like, dude, put that freaking thing in the tree and let's go. Like, let's, let's get a move on. So, uh, we decided she didn't like that part. And, uh, so she doesn't do it anymore and that's all right. Yeah. It's all good. My, I think I took my wife to hang stands once and I, you know, I think hanging stationary stands isn't really a bad thing. It saves you some time in the morning. Right. Absolutely. Um, And I think that, uh, I think they're best served during the rut though. Right because you can kind of pick out a rut funnel and, um, you know, be inside 30 yards right? M- most of the time. And then you're, you're a little less concerned about wind, but you also kind of know what the thermals are going to do, you know, during November, like it's going to be cold and you, you know, you can guess on the, the, uh, you know, you're probably going to have a lot of Northwest winds. And when you have fronts, you're going to have Northeast winds. Um, so you can do a little bit better at prediction on rut funnels than you can like, Oh, this might be a good stand for an early season deer, especially in like mountain 
like you know, oh, right. like country. Yeah. yeah, you can you can really get away with a good rut funnel and a and a and a like a lock on stand or a ladder stand or something. Um, the only the only um, negative to, negative on public land is somebody else could go and sit in it, right? Or uh, know that you're hunting there, and why is this guy hunting there? And maybe they can figure out it's a good spot or not. That kind of thing. So. Hey guys, just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the How to Hunt Deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with a 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. I used to do it, and I still hunt quite a few fixed position stands on uh, on private. You know, we've got food plots that are they're going to be there every single year, or we've got yep. oak flats that just produce every single year, and yep. you know, it's just, those are the those are the spots where we're going to be. But um, but yeah, it's it's a lot harder, like you said on public ground it's a lot harder in the early season so man let let's let's circle back to talking about these these cameras that maybe aren't producing like they have in years past the spot itself doesn't seem like it's producing like it has in years past and it sounds like it may just be a combination of a lot of different pieces like a lot of different things coming together that are maybe all contributing to this um what does the pivot look like like are you going to be I mean, I know you do a lot of in-season scouting. So are you going to be back on the search to try to figure out if you're on the X or not? Are you going to be moving cameras or are you going to leave them where they're at? What's that going to look like? Well, so here's a, here's a benefit to a camera. Like, so we've always put like a bulk of cameras in this area that, um, that I hunted on Saturday. Right. Um, we always have a lot of cameras there. Um, between, uh, I think four of us, we, you know, four of us usually hang cameras or whatever. And, um, I think the area is still going to be good. I'm not going to go out and say like, it sucks. Like it's never sucked before. I think it might be on the start of suck. I don't know, <laughs> but I do know that, um, there are still a good number of does out there. So it's still going to be a player. I think in that, um, late October, early November. Um, I think it'll still play. Um, I think that the deer's movements are going to be a little more narrowed. So trying to, trying to make sure I'm, you know, we're staying on those corridors where they're, where they feel the most protected. Um, I think that's probably going to be the key in that area. But so the in-season scouting thing is so important when you're on a hunt like this because, or in an area like this, because you need to know like, Hey, these deer are mostly using this and you can't all, you can't like ever, a lot of, a lot of, especially writing for Exodus and like hearing all the story, you know, you go to the booth or, and you hear the stories about, you know, this guy killed one with a trail camera. This guy gets great pictures, but he never kills one that's on a trail camera. You have to be confident in the stuff that you know about deer outside of just what you get on pictures. Like everybody loves to run trail cameras because I like to look at pictures of deer. If you hunt deer, you probably do too. But you have to know the stuff that you're looking at and start understanding what's fresh and what's not. Um, And it's other than really just going to experience it, it's really hard to describe. Like I could tell you like, hey, like when you find something that's nipped off, like get down and look at it and see if the top of that thing is green or if it's all dried out and it was nipped a couple weeks ago. Like, um, you know, are, are the raspberries that they were eating on all dried up or are they like little pieces of them chewed up on the ground, stuff like that. Um, you know, what, what's coming in next is, is the green briar, do the green briar leaves, you know, I know deer like to eat maple leaves too. And, um, you know, when they're that red hue and they're on the ground, do you vacuum them up? Cause they're sugary, I guess. I don't know, but that's, 
it's true because you know there was actually a maple tree that was down where I was hunting and they were eating on the leaves on that. Right. So you have to really look at, at stuff like that and you can't use, you can't say that you're, if you didn't get out to hang trail cameras this summer, you can't say that like, Oh, I might as well not even go. Cause I didn't get to scout your trail camera is not your scouting. Your trail camera is your tool that you supplement your scouting with. So you have to do the scouting first and continue to do it no matter what you're doing. So if you didn't hang trail cameras or if your trail cameras aren't telling you what you want, a trail camera that doesn't tell you anything you want just means that the deer are somewhere else. Right. So this is valuable. Like, okay, I just need to shift a little bit and find where they do like to be. Yeah. Um, so the advantage to running a, cameras in a couple areas is that like, you know, a, you're going out to check them. So you're kind of like, I don't check mine often. Like we checked once before the season at the beginning of September. Um, and I think the other section we checked in August, but you know, we're learning like this next area. I only have two or three cameras in looks like very little human pressure to me. It's where I killed a buck last year or close by it. And, uh, I have two cameras on scrapes. Now I didn't expect to get a whole bunch of velvet bucks on a scrape, but these scrapes were both used all summer long. One a little bit more, well, a lot more than the other. And I mean, that second one is hammered. Like there goes all day long using it every single day during the summer. And we had a couple bucks on it. Nothing, uh, there was one buck that was maybe a hundred inches. Um, other than that, they're all relatively small, but I, the scrape is massive. So it is definitely a community scrape. It's a scrape. Obviously those like to be near it. Um, cause they use it all day long. So we'll see what happens with that. But I think the advantages is, is like, Hey, I know deer are here every single day. And now I know there's, I know the food sources and it's a weird spot, man. It's like, big open timber like you wouldn't expect to see deer all day long on a spot like that right right. but i was just kind of curious as to why the scrape was um hit as hard as it was because like i said it's kind of open mature timber and like it's you know you know it's not what you would expect but there's definitely deer on it every day so Hmm. we'll see what happens yeah i i found a spot a couple couple weeks ago now where again big open timber you know you can see forever and walking through this little bottom and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, there's a bunch of beds. Mm-hmm. Why? Like, I don't know. Why would they be here? There's zero cover, like no right. cover whatsoever, but there's all these beds and I'm bending down. I'm finding deer hair in them and stuff. And it's like, okay, they're actively bedding in there. I guess it's to stay cool. You know, they got maybe. a nice canopy. Maybe they catch some thermals coming down off the hill and, uh, yeah. cool off in there, but I don't know. But, uh when it comes to trail cameras, you know, I'm thinking through, um, thinking through this buck actually that I shot last fall and the way trail cameras can often work for us on public land is going to be a lot different than the guy who's got maybe a food plot or a feeder or something like yep. that, where you can expect that buck is going to show up every single day in that food plot or on that feeder or whatever. Um, when I was going back through some trail cam data, I actually had this deer that I shot last fall, I had him as a three-year-old from the mm-hmm. year before. Um, mm-hmm. Only a couple times, like like two or three times, and he was always kind of back in the distance, but he had this that same like split to his G3 or whatever it is. Um, he had that same exact split and, and, and look to his right, uh, his the right side of his, of his rack. And so it's like, oh, okay, so that's that deer. This year I got this buck um, – I think it was like October 15th, 16th, something like that. He was sprinting out of what I assumed to be a bedding area because he had gotten, he had gotten bumped. Him and another buck came running up out of this thicker area. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, so that's, that's Intel. Finally, like the last day of October, he shows up and opens up a scrape because I had, I had hung a camera there in anticipation that this scrape was going to open up again this year. And it Mm -hmm. did open up again, but it wasn't until, till pretty late. And I got a picture of him then. And I got him a couple more times on that scrape. Um, 
and didn't know it, but I actually got him on another camera on a travel corridor like like two times throughout the entire mm-hmm. rut. Like not mm-hmm. a lot of intel. But I ended up, because of putting those pieces together and, and just making the assumption, okay, he's in this area. He was bumped from that direction. So chances are he's betting that direction like because of the way right. he came sprinting through. Put that together, I have two encounters with him, and I shoot him twice, so you know, five days apart or whatever. Um, so he, he was really consistent. He really liked that area, um, where I ended up shooting the deer and it wasn't far from my other cameras, but I didn't get them on camera a lot. What is meaningful data for you to say, okay, a buck is in this area. So like, how do I differentiate whether or not these two pictures are just kind of like one-off excursions that the buck made versus, you know, oh, he's in there all the time. Like this guy, he was, he was in there all the time. I talked to some other people and they're like, oh yeah, I've had pictures of him all season long. You know, I, I was just a little bit off the X when it comes to my camera placement. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does that look like for you? Like, when do you consider it like, okay, I've got enough intel, enough pictures where I'm pretty sure this guy's in there. I think I'm still learning that with trail cameras, but um, overall, like, uh, well, we use the example of that 10 pointer from this year, similar to other years, he shows up on a camp like you can recognize him in on every camera versus mm-hmm. like maybe you'll have a buck on this camera and then you'll have one on this camera but you don't have this buck on that camera he shows if i put 10 cameras in 300 acres and he shows up on all of them that's his area right now the the hard thing is is especially on public land is i think i Bucks don't you they're not going to use the same trail every day to get exactly. to where they want to eat. Exactly. Ever. Yeah. Ever. And if you have you're never really going to know how many trails he uses because there's probably a freaking billion of them in 300 acres. But let's say you have 10 routes that you know he takes from time to time. Well, it's not that easy to guess which one he's going to use. So the one thing that you could do is kind of like you could maybe um, look at a camera and and say like, oh, he's coming from this is really great for using video mode. But, oh, he came from this direction. That's the direction he's traveling. How does he like to use the wind? Because a lot of mature bucks don't put the wind in their nose and start walking. Right. Like I would say more of the bucks that I've seen walk with a quartered wind that blows over their back right right now they can't see behind them so that kind of makes sense right right? because then they can kind of get you know what's happening out to either side of them they get a little bit of a crosswind and then they can smell what's behind them and look at what's in front of them Mm -hmm. and hear what's in front of them so i think that sometimes mature bucks use the wind like that and i'm not saying all deer do it um, cause maybe there are some mature bucks that you get a picture of. And every time, if you look at the weather data, that buck had his nose, he was straight into the wind the entire time. Um, but I think that's one way you could kind of predict which, which route he might take the best. Um, or at least you can do it by process of elimination. So like these five, he uses a Northwest wind, these five, he uses a Southeast wind or, or maybe there's two and now you're hunting a north wind and there's only a northeast wind. There's only two ways he can use. So now you're like 50, 50 on that, you know? Right. Um, so you up your odds there. Um, the other thing is, is, um, paying attention to cold fronts and everybody knows that like, uh, what, what is your camera on that would make sense for that buck to go past that area during a cold, uh, cold spell. Um, whether it be like, um, he's probably going to chase those have water is always in my, in my strategy with that kind of stuff with frontal stuff. Um, the, uh, the first 10 pointer, I, the first 10 pointer I killed with my bow on public, um, it was going to be a 20, I think it was a 20 degree drop for morning temperatures. So it was significant, but it was still hot. Like the high for that day, I think was 55, so like it was still pretty warm for the end of October. Um, and it was a kind of, it was, it was sunny. It was a sunny day. So it was pretty warm. It got pretty warm later in the day, but the morning was cold. Mm. So I'm like, well, I know these deer have 
full blown winter. Oh, just about full blown winter coats. Now um, they're going to start looking for does. And when they look for does during those cold morning hours, because that's like, now they're like getting revved up because the temperature dropped 20 degrees. So now they're out cruising for does. I know it's going to get hot and he's going to want water. So I sat on a water hole and um, I didn't even use trail cameras then. I, I didn't even own one. So the thing about that is, is you put like a couple pieces that work in your favor. Cause I knew there were like three trails that crisscrossed over this three main trails that crisscrossed over this thing. I knew does would probably come by me, which didn't happen. Um, mostly because a bear was using the water hole in the morning. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, I figured, Hey, like if anything makes sense, that kind of makes sense. So you put that kind of stuff together and it's just like the scrape that I'm saying that I have a camera on that's been used all summer. Now, if I didn't put a camera on that, I would still hunt that scrape hmm. or, or somewhere near it because you're using your, you're using what you see and the evidence that you find. Like if I didn't get a picture of a deer in there, there's a deer in there. Like there's trails, there's poop, there's food, and there's a giant scrape. Why didn't I get a picture on there? I don't know. Maybe the deer is scenting that scrape from far away. I mean, I did get pictures on there, but if you hadn't yeah. gotten pictures yeah. on it, right. is the deer skirting your camera? Did they happen to just kind of run past the scrape? Like what's, you know, what, what tells you that you shouldn't hunt that? Um, the only the only thing that helps with a camera is a little bit of confidence in that spot because I know they use it during the day. Because if you would look at this scrape, you would see it and be like, this is a nighttime scrape. Like it's in the open. Why would a deer like there's some there's some terrain going on, you know, that they use cover. They can use the train for cover, but otherwise you're kinda like if I was a deer, I wouldn't use this scrape during the daylight, you know. So there's that kind of thing. Um, but I think that you need to put some pieces together and just say like, like if you're not sure what to do, like put the, put all the evidence in your favor. So, you know, now, you know, there's two routes that the buck likes to use. We decided for a Northeast wind. Right. And then you got a scrape close by, you see the fresh, uh, fresh nip browse and you know, there's a major food source here and there's a little bit of water here and there's a doe family group bedding that's here now you got 10 things. And if some of those other, if that other trail is missing a few of those, which one's better? Right. It's the one that's yeah. hunt the one that's got more stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or you could look at it as, as an opposing thing. Like if you have a lot of hunting pressure in your area and you're noticing that people are like, are doing the math and putting all those things together and you feel that the bucks would be more sensitive to that hunt the one with less. You just have to kind of like weigh that kind of stuff too. Right. Right. What about frequency though? Like, like let's say you've got a spot with all the, all the sign in the world. Mm -hmm. It's a spot you want to throw a sit at. You, you just want to confirm, you know, what deer is in the area, which kind what kind of deer is making all this sign or, or whatever. Um, maybe it's that kind of in between sign, you know, it's not a huge scrape, but it's a decent scrape. It's not a huge rub that real tall with, you know, tick marks on the, on the trees back behind it, it's uh, just an okay rub, you know, and you want to, you want to have a little bit better Intel. You get a picture of a big buck on there at what frequency of showing up or, you know, uh, whether it be daily or every other day or once a week or twice a season, what's the frequency that you're looking for to clue you in. And, you know, cause I mean, like, like we've, we've really been alluding to it this whole time. Trail cameras don't show you everything. It's such a small snippet of what's actually going on out there. So if you make mm -hmm. all your decisions by them, you're probably not going to do super well. Um, yeah. You're going to end up chasing your tail, but is there a frequency threshold that you're like, okay, this is this dude's home. Like, yeah, he showed up on all 10 cameras, but you know, did he walk past them all in one night or did he, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so I think that, you know, I guess um, I like to fish too. So in fishing, three is a pattern. Um, I don't think that in deer hunting all the time though. I think if I have that, I think if I have uh, 
three or four cameras that that deer is on or five pictures of that deer, I think that that gives me confidence that he kind of lives in the area, but it really depends okay. on the picture too. Um, cause I think it matters at the time. Um, if, if all those pictures are at midnight or 3am, you're not close. Right. Uh, you're not going to kill that deer there. So then you need to shift your either a, your cameras or B just your hunting efforts in the direction that he's coming from. If you're if it's already the season, like if you're doing this preseason and, and now we're already in the season, just shift your hunting efforts. Don't, don't waste time moving your cameras. You're going to do more harm than good that way. Just because like, if you know the direction he's coming from now, you've been clued into it. Just go hunt it. Right. Like, skipped like take a camera with you when you go hunt and hang it in there and see if you are right because every time you're right it's going to make you feel better for the next year mm -hmm. but i think i think the important thing is is inside shooting hour inside shooting light and then if you so i would say at least three pictures inside shooting light and then um uh if the other let's like, say we're doing five the other two pictures are somewhere within an hour on either end of shooting light you're you're pretty close um now if it's the opposite you have like three that are pretty close to shooting light and maybe one or two in daylight you probably want to move in the direction where you think those um a little past the direction of where those like on on the edge of light right uh, is happening but you'll get excited about pictures that you get in the middle of the night. If your camera has the function, I just tell you, set it to take pictures between whatever hour, an hour before light and an hour after dark, because then it's going to kind of take away your temptation to be like, I got a picture of a deer in here. And it was a picture from midnight. And he came from the direction of the farm way down over there, you know, like, <laughs> Yeah. He's probably on the farm Yeah, and maybe you'll kill him in the rut, but you ain't killing him now, you know? Right. Right. So let's, so that might be like for a lot of people that might not be enough pictures. Um, but for me, that's plenty. Right. Right. Well, and I, I wanted to run this by you just because of what I'm thinking. I was way more nailed down on this buck last year than, mm -hmm. than I knew that I was like, Simply by trusting the sign and trusting my previous knowledge of the way deer bedded and used this area, I mean, I was on top of him. Like, I mm -hmm. I was not far from his bed. And and he was acting weird for it to be the rut. Like, in all honesty, he was not up and, you know, cruising during the day or anything like that. I think both times I shot him, I think he had just gotten out of his bed. He just, mm -hmm. he just had that slow, lumbering, early season buck kind of look to him. Other than maybe he was looking around a little bit more, but... And he wasn't, you know, stopping to browse, but he was, mm -hmm. I mean, he didn't, he didn't look like a buck that was cruising. Yeah. Um, and so, but, but again, I only had a handful of pictures, um, handful of pictures of him, but also had some other good deer. I was very confident in the area when it comes to, you know, you talk about, you know, if, if, if you're not on it right now, get out there and scout, get out there and hunt. Like, don't necessarily worry about going in and revamping your trail camera strategy this time of year. You're going to do more harm than good. How concerned are you with um, with your own pressure that you're applying to an area if you're going to be diving in, if you're going to be scouting, if you're going to be hanging, um, you know, especially in spots where you maybe don't fully understand yet? Like, are you real concerned with your pressure? And then, you know, what's your what's your ratio going to look like? Are you going to be going in there and scouting and, you know, being like, oh, it's the best spot I found today. I'm just going to go hang here. Or are you really going to lean heavy on the scouting uh, until you really find what you think you need to find uh, all my scouting. If I'm scouting now, it's all live. So okay. as I'm working through an area, I'm probably going to hang where I find the first best thing. Okay. As long as I, as long as I get the things that I want from it, like okay. I know that it's fresh and, and you were asking, you were saying something about rubs and like that kind of a scrape that's made now or any, basically any type of rub is is kind of anybody's guess because they all look the same. They might not be very aggressive yet, but it means that there's something there. So you should probably give it a chance because sometimes it's the bigger bucks start making a sign first. Right. So if you find fresh buck sign, you should probably hunt it. Right. Um, for me, I don't, 
I, I usually hunt an area more than once over a big area, but I don't normally hunt the same spot more than two times in an entire season, mostly just cause I have plenty to go try. Um, but also because I kind of tend to lose confidence if I sit there more. Some people feel fine sitting in a place like three or four times. And I do as long as I space them out far enough. But, you know, normally a localized area is only getting one or two sits for me. Um, this, this buck that's behind me, I shot two years ago and um, we hunted well, we were hunting really, we were really hunting a different, there were three really, really good bucks and probably five or six other ones that we wouldn't mind shooting him, but we were hunting one big buck in particular and, and this one. Um, and I think between me and my buddy, we ended up putting like, I want to, well, between me and my two buddies, we probably put in six or seven sits there, but it wasn't in the same we were moving around a lot inside that area right right and make the area that year make it a mile circle because we had a pretty wide net that year um so we we did sit a lot then but i mean the deer was showing up on cameras all the time like every time we would you know walk past the camera when we were hunting we'd pull it he'd be on that camera and then we had some cell cams out there that year we get pictures of him and then try to go hunt him you know, a day or two later and not, he was just on cameras all the time, all the time. Um, where I killed him was, was again, uh, kill him near a water hole. Um, but it was one of those things where it's like, you, you get like a good gut feeling when you're scouting on like, I could kill a deer here and you can't just be like, walk in and find a bunch of trails and be like, Oh yeah, I could kill a deer here. You could kill a deer anywhere really, but you get that. I actually told my buddy lots of times, like one of us is killing a buck here this year. Like mm. this is the spot we are going to kill a buck. And I, and I killed that and I killed that deer there. Probably could have killed a deer there last year too. There was a little bit more pressure over there last year, but there were a couple bucks that went through there. Um, in the mornings, but it's just like, it's just one of those spots where you're like, I don't know how you wouldn't kill a deer here, you know? Right. Right. Cool, man. Well, Aaron, what do you, uh, what do you have on the docket, man? We're sitting here, we're recording this on, I don't know, October 3rd, is it? Yep. Yep. October 3rd. So what's the year going to look like for you moving forward? Uh, so, I was telling you before my wife, my wife got a new job. So we're a little on the busy side, but, um, I still have a good amount of time and I can, um, she takes the kids with her to school and brings them back home. So I, it's kind of like sky's the limit for when I'm off. So, nice. um, I work the next couple of days. We'll see what the weather shapes up to be. We're supposed to get like, I think we're supposed to get downpours on Saturday and you can't hunt Sundays in PA. So, Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so hopefully towards the beginning of next week, I'll get out. And right now though, um, I'm all out of elk. I'm just about all out of deer. And, uh, I think I'm going to go on a doe slaying fest until, (laughs) until like maybe the October, like 22nd ish. I'll start really, uh, focusing on killing. I tried, tried to kill one on the opener. Didn't happen. So now it's, now it's time to just put some meat in the freezer and that makes me happy too. So there you go, man, that's way high up on my list this year. Like I am definitely, you know, I'm going to Wisconsin, going to do the whole rut trip thing. But I think even if I kill early in Wisconsin, I may stay an extra day or two and just try to fill every single doe tag that I have there. Cause where I yeah. hunt, you can get extras. So oh, cool. I might just, I might come home with six deer in the car. I don't know. We'll have to yeah, see. I have, I have a buck tag and five doe tags. Nice. Uh, but you know, I killed three does and an elk last year. So our three, did I kill three does? I think I killed three deer. I killed a buck and two does. Or did I kill three? I might've killed three does last year. I can't remember. I killed, I think I killed at least three deer and an elk and it's all gone. So you gotta get on it. I gotta get on it. Um, and, uh, you know, Sundays I may, um, 
I got a new bass boat this year, so I may I may be on the on on the lake uh, in October a little bit. So yeah, I don't blame you, dude. It's hard to. I don't know. It, it's I like early season hunting, but when there's so many other things going on, you mentioned earlier, you know, you've been bass fishing up to this point, and it's like, man, I've been like our our neighborhood pool just closed last week. Like we've yeah. we've been at the pool on the weekend, you know, we've been doing all kinds of stuff, uh, not deer hunting just yet, but we've got a cold front blowing through this weekend. Monday looks like a great day to get out. Um, I'll probably be going to my lease and not to the public spot down the road. Um, just there's a few things that I really want to learn about this this new lease that I picked up picked it up mostly for turkeys, um, yeah. But I want to learn a little bit for deer, so I'm going to get out there do some scouting, maybe throw a sit at it, and so we'll see. But Aaron, man, thanks for coming on the show again. I appreciate it. Where can folks find you and uh, all of your writing? Uh, you can mostly find all my writing at um, ExodusOutdoorGear.com or um, over on at Clint Campbell's podcast, Truth from the Stand. I got a got a couple good good things going on there. Um, and then, uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I'm not sure how to search me on Facebook. I, I think I always, people always have a hard time with that, but it's Aaron underscore Hepler for Instagram. So awesome, dude. Well, thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate you uh, joining me again. And I look forward to getting some pictures. Maybe we'll kill. Didn't we kill on the same day? We did. We killed on the yeah, same day. Last so maybe, year. maybe we'll kill the same day again this year. That'd be pretty That'd sweet. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. Cool. All right, buddy. Have All a right. good one. Yeah. I'll talk to you. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you could leave us a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at howtohuntdeer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show and help me bring you great content each and every week. If you're looking for more outdoor content, check out the sportsmansempire.com where you're going to find my other podcast, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts. <laughs>